People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. Wrestling fans, thank you for joining us for another edition of the 20 by 20 Ring Crew. I am Matt, alongside, as always, Joe. Fuck him. Fuck him is right. <laughs> <laughs> we say that because we are watching day four of the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax, a 19-day event, or 19-show event. 19 shows, yeah. Because it takes place within a time frame of a month. If you haven't checked out any of the G1, I we we both highly recommend you do so. Uh, very, really good tournament thus far. You can check out our website, 20x20crew.com, slash podcast, slash NJPW, if you don't have subscriptions and you want to know how to do that. So I, we're talking about G1 and the, the tournament that's happening. We're, we're, again, we're watching day four as it's happening. Well, actually, not as it's happening because it's in Japan and they're way ahead of us. A lot of things to talk about thus far already. In, in this tournament. Stuff that kind of happened before the tournament, stuff that's happening during the tournament. So much tension is happening in the New Japan world that uh, I know you and I wanted to want to talk about. And I guess let's start with, and maybe it's because uh, we see the new portion of the Bullet Club as it's officially divided now, come out in the team of Bad Luck Fale and uh, Tangaloa, the... Uh, Firing Squad, BC Firing Squad, BCOGs. They don't, they don't want to be called the Firing Squad. They're not called that anymore? They don't, no, they don't want to be called that. that okay. Was, that was like just a... A one-time... Oh, that was like a t-shirt. That was it. Okay, so they're not called that anymore. All right, fair enough. If, you, if you're not too familiar with what's going on, it goes back to July 7th, which was the G1 special in San Francisco, which took place in the suburb of San Francisco. And the main event was Kenny Omega versus Cody. Great match. Check that out on New Japan Pro Wrestling World as well. If you didn't watch it on Access TV. And Cody wins, or excuse me, Kenny Omega wins the match, retains the title. He, alongside the Young Bucks, are on the, the ramp. Out comes the Gorillas of Destiny with their father, King Haku. Gorillas of Destiny, by the way, is a team of Tamatanga and Tangaloa. They all celebrate. They two sweet each other. Everything's going good. Confetti ends up coming out of canisters everything looking good end of the show right that's right. how that's how yeah. we end it omega and the bucks they're they're celebrating their backs are turned against the the tungans the next thing you see is tama tunga just running through kenny omega <laughs> and it leads to just an ultimate beat down with those three beating down the entire bullet club because you know out comes hangman page he gets a two out comes chase Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi, they get it too. Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull, who actually came out before the, the other two. And, and now comes Cody, who just got done with a match. He's obviously still tired and, and, and beat up from the match. And Tamatanga gives him a chair. And it's pretty much like the writing's on the wall that this is a setup by Cody. And then Cody takes a chair and he hits Tamatanga with it. And then he gets it too. So, <laughs> for his efforts, that was the shot. The shot was was made. the 
the, the, the Tongans, if you will, stake their claim where they stand with the Bullet Club. We saw right before the G1 where Bad Luck Fale, who was not at the show at the time, where he stood in this whole Bullet Club Civil War thing. And Tangaloa said it really good at the, or at least I felt he said it really well at the G1 special, that there is no leader of the Bullet Club, that we are all equals. So this is pretty much an angle where nobody, and, and I remember on, on an earlier show, an earlier episode of, of our podcast, that I had, I had mentioned, where are the Tongans and all of this? And we never got to it. We never got to it. And it's just one of those things. I'm not saying that I called this happening. I'm not saying that at all. But it's one of those things where as it happened, I just, I, there was no surprise for me. And I don't mean that as I wasn't entertained because I was very much entertained and glued to my TV. But it was where they fit in all this because you can't, for all you people who are, are Bullet Club fans, uh, but not fans from the, the, the original formation back in 2013 you might look at a guy like tamatanga and say he's just a member of the bullet club that the bullet club is basically kenny omega cody the young bucks marty Skrull, and hangman page and you're wrong you're dead wrong if that's what you perceive as the bullet club or the main part of the bullet club that's that's just not not, not accurate tamatanga is an original member and matter of fact he's one of two guys that are still in the bullet club that have been there since day one and the other guy is Bad Luck Fale. It makes sense that they do an angle where Tamatunga and Bad Luck Fale, as you said earlier, fuck them. <laughs> they want to fight over who's who's going to be the leader of the Bullet Club. No, there is no leader. Essentially, and, and, and you can add more to it, but essentially that's, that's the angle here. That's exactly the angle. And yeah, I don't think either of us called it, but no. the entire time, both of us had that question in the back of our mind, like, where, where are the Tongans and all this? Because they're just kind of sitting idly by and letting this go on. Let's face it, they're, they're just too tough. They're too adamant in their point of view to be sitting idly by and, and not doing anything. So it was coming. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely coming. Uh, I just didn't think it was going to be at this point in time. You and I talked before the episode, New Japan and their booking just seems to come out of left field and, and surprise everyone every now and again. And, you know, as much as me and Matt love to sit here and, and fantasy book a bunch of stuff, you just can't always see everything come. I mean, we can take all the <laughs> educated guesses in the world. Yeah. And you just, with New Japan, you never know. And that's part of the excitement. Like, I love that. I love that yeah. I'm not able to guess everything because otherwise... It would be like watching Monday Night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and see that's the thing. Right? That's that's the point. You know, you made you just made was what I was trying to say was again. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't just completely just shocked that oh my god this is happening. You're right. The timing is weird because it's right before the G1 climax. Really weird that they, they're doing it there. But also, too, even though you, you feel that like it was going to happen, it was just a matter of they clear they clear the air with Kenny and Cody. And you're so caught up in that storyline that you just kind of forget about everything else. Yeah. You know, even 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 us guys who've been fans since almost day one. I wasn't a fan of Bullet Club the day that they formed, but closely afterwards. So I know the importance of the underboss and of Tamatonga. Even then, I just it was easy to kind of just forget about it for for that moment of time. And I guess that's how compelling the the Kenny Cody Civil War was so congratulations for, um, for those guys for doing that and everyone involved but i think it's great i think it's great that they they have done this because 
now, no matter how this angle finishes, what you have now is a bullet club where every single member is a legitimate member because for a long time, you know, G.O.D. and Balak Fale and, you know, Yujiro Takahashi, even though he's not a member of whatever they're calling themselves right now, <laughs> you know, but those guys are, were just like, yeah, they're, they're there. You know, look, this ain't the NWO. With all due respect, I know he has a lot of uh, history at NJPW, but there are no fucking Scott Nortons in this group or, <laughs> or Vincents or... You know, guys who are just there just to, to wear the colors. Like, everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a role. And the same same applies for Bad Luck Fale and Tomatonga and Tangelo and, and those guys. So, I think what right here is now they're in a legitimate storyline again. I think it's great. Absolutely. Even though I don't like Bullet Club Civil Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... It is what it is, but it, you know it's everybody. Everybody has a purpose now. It's not just the, <laughs> as Bad Luck Fale does what he does best and flip people off. It's not just the the guys that you you see on the YouTube channel. It's everybody else that puts on that bullet club shirt. Absolutely. My daughter and I were watching night one. Night one involved. There was a match involved uh, as part of the tournament with Bad Luck Fale. Yeah. I believe it was against... Uh, Hangman Page. Hangman Adam Page. Fellow Bullet Club member for those oh, right. two Right, so, so this is Fale's first match back after having a couple months off. Yeah, since he lost the uh, six-man tag titles. Yeah, so uh, he comes back. He's about 40 pounds lighter. He looks to be in a much better shape. Uh, they get in the ring, and my daughter is like, you know, okay, this this is crazy. It this this is probably not going to end well, at least for one of these guys. And I said, well, probably not for Hangman Page because you know if if we're following logic here, Fale's coming back and he's pissed. Yeah, you know. So the match goes on, and I said, you know what? We'll see how much he cares about those two points, those possible two points for that win in that match. And like, no sooner did I say that, he got DQ'd. So, <laughs> like, he could give two shits. <laughs> and then uh, Tama and, and Tonga came out, and uh, the three of them started wailing on Paige, and that was it. You know, Paige won the two points for his tournament uh, appearance that night, and yeah, and but the 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 OGs they 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 put notice out like we're not taking anybody's bullshit and we're here to fucking kick ass and take names. I'm all for it, man. I I yeah. I, I absolutely love that. You, anytime you have a faction like this, back when the NWO was huge, I that that's what I loved about it. They came in and they fucking wrecked shop. And then it got to the point where you did have guys just hanging around who were wearing a t-shirt and they didn't really do shit. And it's like, man, it's starting to get lame, you know? Yeah. So I am all for this. Although I don't I don't think that's kind of the, the conundrum here. None of those guys are in Bullet Club are, are really lame. Like, they all work. They're all decent workers. I mean, yeah, obviously you have guys getting pushed more than others. But sure, yeah. they're all highly capable uh, at what they do. Case in point, like Chase Owens. Like, a lot of people are like, man, fuck Chase Owens. No. Chase Owens is probably one of the most underrated wrestlers on the fucking New Japan roster. Anybody that, uh, they do a lot of, like, special guest commentary for New Japan show, especially when Don Callis isn't around. In this case right now, for the G1 Climax, has been Rocky Romero. And every time, every match, and, you know, this is not just, you know, if it's just Rocky Romero here, then you can say, oh, it's just one guy's opinion. But 
all the time you hear that from wrestlers. Like, this is probably the most underrated guy in the company today. And it's, you know, again, they're, and they're breaking... They're, they're breaking the rules here because, you know, you got a chaos guy complimenting a, blo- a bullet club guy, and that's a no-no. Yeah, that should be a no-no. You know? <laughs> but it is what it is. But, you know, and I was one of those guys when I when I first started watching Chase Owens, and keep in mind, he was just coming off of an injury that I was just like, yeah, why is he here? You know, why, is, why is he here? But I quickly learned the name, and I, yeah, he's... One of the best workers, and, and quite honestly, let's put it this way: if if Kenny Omega and 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 Cody weren't in the Bullet Club right now, as far as westernizing the product, I, he would be a top runner along with Hangman Page. Definitely, definitely. So, he's he's a great combination wrestler. Again, very fucking underrated man. As we watch him in action in a tag match. What's up with the Kazuchika Okada coming out with balloons now? What is, what is that? So I don't know exactly what's going on, but they're playing it up as he's just trying to have fun in the tournament and not be so pressured after losing the title to Kenny Omega and holding it for so long. And, you know, he's come out, he's holding the balloons now, he's changed the color of his hair. Yeah, he's got red hair now. So he, he's, he's, a little, he's a little more loose in the ring, which is fine, but him him needing to, to like, step down a notch has basically led to someone trying to take his place as the leader of Chaos, and now you have Jay White, the switchblade, switchblade. stepping up, just kicking ass and taking names, and, and it kind of unofficially started with uh, Jim Ross <laughs> <laughs> unintentionally I guess but he he pulled the Sammy Callahan and just owned it and figured fuck it if I'm gonna get heat for it I'm just gonna go with it and he has done so ever since and he's he's every match he's been involved with whether it be a singles match for qualifying you know to qualify for the tournament or yeah. towards tournament points or tag matches he has he is he keeps stating claim to the leadership of chaos. That is something that Rocky Romero and the boys don't necessarily like. So it's been really interesting to to see him come out and and say shit like you know that's my rainmaker now. Like I I run the chaos. So it's it's fucking crazy and he's getting the push, man. I'm I'm really surprised that, that this is going at the yeah. At, it's like at a breakneck pace, a breakneck speed. He just debuted as an official, like, regular member of the roster in November. Because prior to that, he was a, a, a young lion. Yeah, he was on excursion. He went on excursion. Uh, you know, for you Ring of Honor fans, you'd recognize him as a regular member of Ring of Honor because that's where he w- he spent excursion. The entire time, he was a contracted New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestler. And he comes back. He's got this Switchblade character. Cool. It's a cool character. They immediately give him Hiroshi Tanahashi. I was shocked by that. Hiroshi Tanahashi is defending the Intercontinental title at the time against Jay White at, at Wrestle Kingdom. I was like, wow. Okay. Good points for that kid. The next night, he gets nominated by Kenny Omega to be the newest member of the Bullet Club. Turns him down. Immediately puts himself in a in a war with Kenny Omega. <laughs> and it's like, you get Hiroshi Tanahashi on, on January 4th. And then starting January 5th, you, you stay claim at Kenny Omega's United States Heavyweight title. And and then you join Chaos, which was weird for me because it's very much a heel character in a babyface group. But, you know, it, it what's Toriano? I mean, he's also a, <laughs> a heelish character. Although he is he is trying not to cheat, you know, 
That's that's a funny little thing he's doing. <laughs> I, I love the hate Toriano. Goes back to go back to Jay White here. Gets Kenny Omega. You know, a couple months later, he's taking that U.S. title from him, defending that title. And again, we're still talking less than a year. You know, yes, he dropped the title at the G1 special to, to Juice Robinson. It was what is now being known as like somewhat of an infamous match because of the Jim Ross incident. A week later, in the in his in the first his very very first match in the G1 climax, takes on not only a fellow Chaos member, the Chaos member that is the known leader of the group because he's held on to that title to the IWGP Heavyweight Title for 700 plus days. In the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and just like with a snap of a finger, Jay White says, "Nah, fuck that. This is my Chaos." That's my Rainmaker. You talk about a dashly style of wrestling. You gotta watch all the G1. I, I highly, again, highly recommend the G1 Climax. But that very first night with that main event of Jay White versus Kajutsu Okada, the things that he was doing in that match, as a, as a fan of heels, I'm looking at it and I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing as it was happening. Because it was like, Wow, this kid figured it out. <laughs> this kid figured out what a heel was supposed to be. That he did. He is making himself the most hated guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling right now. You're taking on the Rainmaker. You are destroying him. And you're doing it in dashly ways. You're not... wasn't clean by any means. Pissing the fans off left and right. Pissing the fans off. And then going in and rubbing it in to Rocky Romero, who's there again, they're on commentary, guest commentary. But then they go to the back, where, as they always do, and, and, and do the interview. And he just flat out said, This is my chaos now. I'm the new face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's my Rainmaker. And that hasn't changed. He hasn't skipped a beat. He's been he's been dominating the tag matches. He's he's got four points in the uh, in, in the in the G one climax thus far. Kazuchika Okada is is he's reeling ever since can't even win tag matches so <laughs> it's it's a really interesting time i mean as a as a as a guy who's watched wrestling for the vast majority of your life where do you think they're going with this is, does jay white take over chaos do we see new lineage or or is this one of those classic cases where the the dastardly villain is going to get his in the end or a little bit of both well <laughs> again you and i talked about the booking in New Japan and and just when you think you have it figured out, they they come out of left field. Yeah, with something new and something different, something that you didn't expect. With with them, obviously he's getting the push. I think he takes over chaos by force. I think that they become a heel stable again. You think so? I yeah. think so because on the opposite end of things, you have civil war within Bullet Club. You've got the OGs being the heel faction, and, and everybody else is rooting for Kenny and Cody, especially now that they're on the same side. Right? There's your baby faces, whether you like it or not. So yeah, I think Chaos goes heel, and he takes over. And and quite honestly, at this point. We might even see the Rainmaker leave Chaos. I'm not saying he's going to go join Bullet Club or anything, but definitely leave Chaos and, and probably even be replaced. By whom, I couldn't tell you at this point, but it's going to be interesting to see. It's really interesting that you have... Because, again, those who are not familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's a very faction-based company, very much. I mean, you look at the G1 Climax, 20 uh, wrestlers, 19 of them are, are part of a faction. Only Kota Ibushi doesn't have a claim to anything. And, of course, Taguchi Japan is kind of like a weird faction that's 
A lot of the guys are part-timers anyways. Yeah. But faction nonetheless. There's still some kind of affiliation. So you have the Bullet Club. They have their Civil War that's been going on really since January. It's still happening even though now it's under a different... You got a, you got a different faction, a different faction within that's kind of staking their claim. This time it's Tongans. And now you have chaos that, pun intended, has got chaos going on. <laughs> so... It's really interesting that you have that, and it's I love it because you add storytelling to a great wrestling tournament, because that's what the G1 Climax is all about. It's about wrestling, right? But let's add in storytelling, and that's what they've done, and I, I applaud everybody involved in making that happen because it's it just leads to wanting more every single time I, I i'm certainly glued to my tv when jay white comes out now because i want even for tag matches that you know a lot of tag matches again right now for the for the g1 climax they're they're just to kind of like showcase the singles matches going to happen the next night for that block but but jay white what he's doing with, with chaos and he's been teaming with yo and and you know poor yo has been dealing with his shenanigans <laughs> i remember the the first it was night two when they had their tag match, and it was against uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I want to say David Finley. Yeah. And he just like, I don't, I get my points tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. He <laughs> he, dro- just, he, he dropped <laughs> off the apron and it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna go. I'm, I'll just get my points tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. He ends up coming back because he wants to, uh, to hurt Tanahashi, who suffered a, a pretty severe beatdown injuries in, uh, in the match against Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> again, guys, you got you got you got to watch this tournament. It's 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 been great. But yeah, it, again, I just love the fact that you have these storytell these stories being told while you also have great wrestling going on. That's a great wrestling show. Absolutely. That's, that's, oh man. That's, that's a great wrestling show. I, I don't even need to tell you which company I'm referring to when I say there's a company out there in Stanford, Connecticut that can learn from what these uh, these Japanese people are doing because <laughs> they're they're fucking killing it right now. I saw I saw on my Google News feed there was a headline that says five thing five problems with WWE's current booking, and I immediately laughed. And I'm like, there's only five? Yeah, <laughs> five. To the tenth power, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it it goes on the 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 tension with the within G one climax goes beyond what you see on TV. And you brought to my attention a interview which I look at as a, just a plain shoot interview with the uh, guy from Block B. The guy from Block B in uh, Tetsuya Naito, he talked about some of the guys who were in this tournament. So some pretty controversial things. What jumped out to you right away with <laughs> what you saw? Because it's a pretty long interview. It's a long interview. You can find the the interview over at uh, New Japan's website at njpw1972.com slash 31430. It's a lengthy interview with Tetsuya Naito. And the first thing that came, like, the first thing that stood out in, uh, from the interview for me was how he was talking about the way participants are picked for the G1 tournament. And if you go on to read it, whether he likes it or not, he's kind of on the same side as Kenny Omega here with Kenny Omega's controversial comments 
about the Japanese wrestlers not putting in the work and needing to step up their game. Essentially, Naito's saying the same thing. He's just saying it a different way. Uh, so he says, the interviewer asks, the block drawing isn't an issue with you. It's who was picked to enter in the first place. And Naito agrees. He's like, right. I said the same thing last year, but there are 19 shows in this tour. So because of that, the decision was made to have 20 wrestlers, right? All that's happening is that entrants are being picked to fill out spaces on the card. He goes on to say how you have guys who are, let's face it, they're just not realistic picks to win this tournament. So they're just fillers. Yeah. He's of the opinion of the G1 tournament should always be your top 20 guy, not just guys who are like, part-timers or things of that nature and he he brought up a few names for sure i mean obviously he's got problems with kenny omega for the comments that kenny omega initially said but he did he did say tamatonga he's like tamatonga really hasn't done anything why is he in the tournament (laughs) you know yeah that's his beef that's his beef with the tournament and he's he's got a valid point let's face it you are this is your probably the most prestigious tournament you have all year for your company yeah you're supposed to have your top 20 guys not just like 20 guys that fit the bill so that that's something i don't understand from a booking standpoint for new japan other than them to carry on plots you're you're just advancing and furthering plots. That's it. I'm not necessarily complaining because they're doing it very well. I can't sit there and say that about any other company that puts on tournaments like so. Much to their credit, they they're they're pulling it off. Whether Naito agrees with their picks or not, they're pulling it off. I've watched three of the four nights as we're watching night number four now in the background. And man, I've I've had such a blast watching it, and I yeah. can't I can't speak highly enough about it. I this way fucking better wrestling than what's been on most American TV right now. Yeah, it's and it's not just WWE that we're right. talking about. It's 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 Impact and I mean shit Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it wasn't just them that uh, could take notes. I mean, nobody else is failing the way WWE is, but you know, they're not necessarily getting A pluses either right now. But <laughs> to add what, what Knights was saying, I because I, I agree, I, I agree with him. You, we can make case, and I, I can be one of those guys that can make a case for Toriano and a Yoshihashi and a, and a Toji Makabe or Makabe, excuse me, and you know, guys of that nature who are good workers. All three of them are good workers. Balak Fale, another another guy, good workers, but they're not going to win this tournament. There's, I, I think for 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 each one of those guys, I'd give them less than a one percent chance of winning this tournament. They're fillers, and I so to that to Naito's point, I agree. I agree with what he is saying because there are guys that could have been that could have been used. Guys that even though I could as as a wrestling fan that watches for the past year and a half and watching over ninety percent of. New Japan shows that that is on the, the the streaming service New Japan Pro Wrestling World, where I can say I could replace this guy with a guy that's actually been used quite a bit. How about a brand new heavyweight in in Taichi that you know who Naito mentions in in his scathing interview? Yeah, in, in his interview, yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Again, he's being pushed. He was in the the triple threat match or a three way match at Dominion with Michael Elgin and Hiroki Goto for the Never Open Weight Championship. Again, if he's in this tournament, I'm not picking him to win it. 
but I certainly like him better than Yoshihashi or Toriyano. You know, so if you're going to go with storyline purposes, I would still stick with 20 of either your top guys, obviously it would be your number one, or 20 of your hottest guys, guys that are, are actually relevant at the point. Tama Tunga is a perfect example because I know he's your pick, and I'm not saying that's not a good pick. But what I what I what I agree with him is Tama Tunga hasn't been around, and now he's in the G1 climax. It just doesn't add to the mystique that is the G1 climax when it's like, oh, where's he been? You know. So I, I get that. Although Tama Tunga has a much better chance of winning, especially if you're going with storyline purposes. Now that he, you know he's part of this huge civil war within the bullet club it, it it works here but it's just like the timing of of all that was probably off maybe by a few more weeks you know maybe that should have happened at kazuna road instead of the i mean again kazuna road is not a big deal and the g1 spot again i get all that stuff and I, this is why i'm not a booker because it's it's a hard job it's an extremely hard job to, to to pick and choose when you're gonna do all these things, and you know that's why only a select few are actually really good at it. Because booking's not easy. That being said, I, I agree with Naito to that extent. However, you are trying to make this the biggest tournament you possibly can, even if you have fillers like a Toriano and Yoshihashi. And I don't mean to pick on those guys at all, but those are the guys that are the blatantly obvious fillers. They they, they are what they are. I say this: you give me so every guy wrestles nine matches you give me nine great matches you can be a filler all you want you can you can lose all nine matches make them good matches yeah make them relevant and that's what they've done so far yeah that's what they've done that's what they've done so far i agree with naito it should be the top 20 guys but let's face it as big as new japan is i'm okay with most of the most of the guys in the tournament yeah uh could i replace a few here and there yeah bad luck fale Again, not not the best uh, guy to be in a tournament for. As he comes out, yeah, he you know, <laughs> he you know he's he was bo- he was gone for a couple months. Yeah, he had lost some weight and and all that stuff. But does he but the you know his absence with his absence does he belong here at the tournament? Probably not. If you're gonna be in it, make it relevant, make it count, and they have. They've they've decided to go with the storyline of him not giving a fuck about the the other side of the Bullet Club, and he's there to just kick ass and take names. Yeah, and he has done that and yeah. then some. So yeah, he's he's now stuck in the tournament, and he's he doesn't care about his advancement in the tournament. He's just there to, to torture and, and take revenge on people, and and he has definitely done that. A guy like Toroyanu. Does he belong in the tournament? Not necessarily. Would I replace him? Yeah, I would have replaced him because he's not—he's not doing anything to. I mean, he's wrestling good matches, but he's not doing anything to advance his character into something meaningful for the tournament. He's just—he's like the class clown right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that's it. And I get it. Wrestling is a variety show, or at least a good wrestling show is a, a variety show. But you're not necessarily looking for that in a tournament like the G1. No. So yeah, that that's what that's what's very wishy washy for me this this time around. What I'm wondering is if there was opportunities to take the G one and again, this is the first time that it's ever been done all nineteen shows in English, all shows in English, whether it's nineteen or, or less. 
or more. You're westernizing your product. Was there opportunities to get guys from other uh, companies? And would, have, would that have helped? You know, the, the one that pops in everyone's head is, was Cody an option? And just, was it just a scheduling thing? Did he not want to do it? Was he asked? You know, and there's other guys that you, that leads to you know, wonder, well, what about a, like a Jay Lethal doing it? Because you saw that with uh, Chris Saban in the uh, Best Super Junior. You know, he came from Ring of Honor and he did the, that tournament. You know, would that have worked for this tournament? You know, maybe pick from somebody from a different company. It definitely would have worked with this tournament. They obviously have partnerships with other other federations or other organizations. To me, if I'm that, that's always been one of the most favorite gimmicks that I've ever come in contact and, and loved in professional wrestling is the tournament. Yeah, for me, that's what to me that's what a tournament is. It's always your your best guys. You know, if it's if it's a tournament for a specific title, it the you know the top eight guys that are vying for that title, situations like that. It should always be like that for me. So if you have those tools and you you're affiliated with these other companies, hell yeah, go grab someone from AAA, go grab yeah. someone from Impact, go you know make use of that talent and make it a little more legitimate or at least a little more legitimate looking. Yeah. You know, but this has just literally become 20 guys who have active storylines going on within the company. That's that. They're going to play out a little little more, and obviously someone's going to win the tournament and going to get a shot at Wrestle Kingdom at the IWGP heavyweight title. Those are, those are given, but this is what we're stuck with. I'll tell you one thing. I really think Tamatonga is... Uh, let me scratch that. Not just Tamatonga. I think pretty much every Bullet Club member, because of the circumstance of the Civil War, they're going to destroy each other by the end of the tournament, leaving one top Bullet Club member to advance and possibly win the entire tournament. But they're also going to ruin just about everybody else's chances. Any chance they get. Yeah. It, it, like, the G1 is going to suffer because that is that is the collateral damage, as it were, for the Civil War going on between the Bullet Club. I think Tama Tonga. I think Tama Tonga wins Block A. That takes out Kenny Omega, so Kenny Omega no longer has... Tama Tonga is in Block B. I'm sorry, Block B. Right. But so, you were ta- you, yeah. you're on the right track, though. So, can... <laughs> That would that would take Kenny Omega out of the running to win the tournament. Now you have Tamatonga winning Block B to take on whoever's going to win Block A, and that I think that's probably the overall bigger picture story that we're going to be experiencing post the tournament. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're seeing just two things I want to point out. One, I want that Toriano Vitruvian Man shirt. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm not the type of guy that would buy a lot of Toriano merchandise, but I want that shirt. <laughs> and uh, and Takamichinuku is the greatest hype man in professional wrestling, bar none. <laughs> it, so there's a there's potential that Zack Sabre Jr. is going to do the Evolve Progress tour. I hope he brings Taka if, if he does. Oh man, I, yeah, I would love to see that. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I agree with exactly what you're saying. I look at it as a missed opportunity of grabbing international talent. I'm not saying there's you got obviously you got Ring of Honor's Hangman Page. He's not, as far as my understanding goes, he's not contracted with New Japan Pro Wrestling. That might be the only guy. That they have that has no... I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. is a freelancer, but it's not like he doesn't do a whole lot of New Japan shows. So. You, know, you know what, though? All year we've been saying 
they're gonna they want to go glo- they want to go global yeah and expand their company they're gonna have growing pains and I think this is one of the growing pains unfortunately yeah and, and again it's it's not to take away from the, t- the the tournament we're not telling you not to watch it it's been great dude it's been a fucking blast yeah. I love I love this part with Toriano where he doesn't want to take any hits and he's making all those yelling noises. He's a funny guy. Toriano, as we mentioned, though he's he's a great worker. He's a, and he knows how to take a bump, that's for sure. So even though we we say yeah you can go without him, you can because I don't really see anybody you know if we we were betting on this taking Toriano or even the odds. Of taking Toriano because it's just not gonna happen. He's not gonna main event Wrestle Kingdom. It's just, it's just not not gonna happen. At least not with the way he's going. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> but yeah, and, you know, Ring of Honor, that the closest partnership. Again, I said J- Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal would have been perfect for a tournament of this nature. Uh, you know, Cody. I I don't know if he was asked if it was brought to his attention and and you know maybe it's a scheduling thing, but Cody would have been a great fit. You know, perfect for Block A, and you know I will love I would love to have seen a Cody versus Hangman Page match, and I think we will someday. But man, I would love to have seen that at the G One. You know, there's other guys you know you could name, and again, you got Don Callis who works for Impact Wrestling. There's guys there. You know, how about a guy that that's affiliated with three companies? to come in and, and do a, a tour in Japan and, and Johnny Impact or Johnny Mundo, whatever you want to call it. He'd been perfect for a tournament like this. So, again, I'm not saying they didn't do any of this. I don't know. I don't know the, what the bookers were doing. But it, it it just really seems that Naito is on something on something here that if you're going to make this this huge tournament where you got 20 guys, because the G1 wasn't always 20 people. If you're going to do 20 guys, it, it needs to be 20 elite players. You know, obviously Naito belongs there because... He's the defending champion. You know, how we feel about Kenny Omega being in there. And I was reminded earlier this week that Kenny Omega isn't the first IWGP heavyweight champion to do this. It's It's been done before. None of them have ever won the tournament, but they've they've have, there have been champions in the tournament before. So, fair point. Still doesn't mean I want it to, to happen. Other than the fact that I get to see Kenny Omega matches. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, yeah, he's on to something here. And I, I agree. To what he's saying but again as i said earlier if you're going to give us top quality matches then i can i can look past it however for the 29th g1 climax you might want to really pay attention to who you put in that tournament because it's never going to stand out the way that they want it to stand out internationally if you're not going to have if you're going to continue to do 20 20 elite players if you're gonna have you know let's say 14 elite players and and six six guys that are fillers it doesn't work i never thought i'd be saying this but this is where the wwe actually gets something right and jesus you know with their with their tournaments that they've had as of late you've got the may young classic which is going a second year yeah you've had the uk tournament you've which had, had second a year they had a year. second year You've had the Cruiserweight Classic, which, oh my God. again, awesome, awesome tournaments. All three of them. That's what New Japan needs to do, especially with their granddaddy tournament here. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a fucking swing and a miss on a technical level. Like I said, it, it's just, it's really fucking entertaining. So I'm, I'm willing to be like, okay, I'll let it slide. But 
Yeah, te- technically speaking, man, I think we should. I think the listeners should mark it on their calendars. This is probably the first episode in a long fucking time that uh, the WWE gets a plus yeah. next to their name. <laughs> uh, the episode ain't over yet because there's some things I gotta say. <laughs> there's some things I gotta get off my chest before we uh, turn this microphone off. We got more tournaments happening this year, and I don't want to get too much into them because they're not even booked yet, but. You know, you got the World Tag League that's going to happen towards the end of the year. There's another opportunity right there. There's another opportunity. You know, you, you figure yeah. you're going to have bring team bring teams in from literally all over the world. You know, yeah. Let's let's see some bring some, the, bring the Briscoes back to New Japan. Bring the Briscoes. You know, bring, bring a couple of, of the Mexican constituents. Yeah. You know. You know. It, you, you you've got access to guys in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, like, come on, exactly. let's see those teams. England. Yeah, let's see those teams. You know, I would love to see Aussie Open and do do the World Tag League. Oh, I, I man, love those fuck guys, yeah, dude. You know, I mean, so it's again, you know, oh, they can't do that because they're not. I was gonna say British Strong Style, but they're affiliated with WWE, <laughs> so that's not gonna happen. But yeah, it's you have an opportunity there to to highlight tag teams from all over the world so you know hopefully uh hopefully enough enough guys make some noise say kind of like, hey this ain't working you know like it's obviously you're doing well they're selling out their their venues that they go to you know i don't know if the Crookin hall is, is is sold out here but that's that's a pretty small venue so i they usually do well there you know that's one thing to sell out sell out these arenas but again you know you're also talking about subscriptions and getting people to watch you know we're we're plugging it we want you to watch it you know we have no incentive for you to do it other than the fact that we want you to hashtag support professional wrestling and we know you'd be if you like wrestling you'd be really entertained by what you see it's but it is a missed opportunity from them it, it really is and i i do agree with naito and I, I appreciate the fact that uh he's one of those guys that just is able to say you know fuck it like what we're doing is not exactly 100% what we should be doing. Calling them on their, essentially their bullshit. So I, I applaud them on that. Speaking of uh, bullshit and, and, and things of that nature, segueing off here a little bit, or a lot I should say, we're going to go to Canada. and <laughs> Flame Canada! <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go to uh, to Canada here, and we're going to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart. And he's got a little bit of a civil war going on of his own. Fuck, man. You know, <laughs> I can't, I cannot honestly remember the last time Bret Hart opened his mouth and there was not some sort of controversy. <laughs> and I want to, I want to say in the like the past two years. You know, real quick here, it just seems like the guy that I, the Bret Hart that I grew up watching, and you know, and even going back to his older tapes, was such a soft-spoken guy. It's like now that he's retired, he's just. He's letting it all out. Yeah, man. it's just, <laughs> it, it's it's like it's like you come home from from a long fucking shift at work and you just said take off all your dirty laundry and you're just airing it for everyone to see. That's what he's doing. It's it's like he's playing catch up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's go back. Let's go back uh, a few months. Or I should, yeah, a few months. You've got the WWE Hall of Fame happening. Hall of Shame. Hall of Shame. Remember that's that episode? A, that's right. Yeah, that's a that's a past episode. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Mark Henry um, was speaking at the event, and he, Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, he he basically called out Martha Hart, uh, who, if you don't know, is the widow of Owen Hart. 
And he begged and pleaded with her with a tear in his eye. Please, Martha, please let Owen be a part of the Hall of Fame. And ever since then, there's, there's the, the debate, the fire under this debate has been sparked again. Not just by wrestling fans, but people in the industry, obviously. Mark Henry. Bret Hart recently uh, chose to address it in a podcast. Uh, I don't remember the name of the podcast he was on. It might have been the Gorilla Position, but he he decided to open his mouth and say what he felt was right about Owen's uh, widow not letting him be a part of any kind of Hall of Fame. Not just the WWE's mighty, but also the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. So, she wants her family and and the children, she wants them to have nothing to do with professional wrestling. He made it seem like he has not seen his nephews and nieces, and they aren't allowed to see the rest of the family. And let's face it, I think we've all been through that at one time or another with our own respective family, to where some shit like that goes on. But, again, it, it doesn't change things. Bret Hart opens his mouth, he says a few things, and now all of a sudden this, the, the pot is being stirred again. She has came out and rebutted him. He, in turn, has rebutted her back. It's nothing pretty. Uh, she, she said that it was... Uh, some of the stuff he was saying was like cruel and unusual punishment and he basically fired back like you know what you know me not being being able to see family and and Owen not getting the just due for the time and effort and the blood sweat and the tears that he put into his career that's cruel and unusual to Bret Hart so it it, it has been a uh, a very intriguing back and forth between those parties. It doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. I, she's, this lady's hell-bent on divorcing her family from professional wrestling. Brett also said that one of the kids of one of the, the Hart brothers' daughters, not I don't think it's Owen's daughter, unless, okay. it's, unless it's Owen's daughter having a child, but uh, one of the youngest yeah. kids is named Owen. And, you know, for a family that wants nothing to do with professional wrestling, like, how does that work? Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 been very interesting. And like I said, Bret Hart letting it all hang out, throwing all this shit out. He, it, it doesn't seem like he's trying to stop either. <laughs> there, as as a fan, I, I mean, as far as the, the family aspect of what's happening here, I, I, there's really no comment because I, I'm not part of that. And but um, as a fan of professional wrestling, I look at the Hall of Fame. And I try my I try my hardest, and and, and I don't want to put myself in her shoes because then I would know what that kind of loss is. And I, I've dealt we both dealt with losses in our life. Plus, I hear heels are pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> heels are very uncomfortable, but you know you, you have a woman who lost her husband, the father of her children. What was a obviously a tragic incident. Uh, in May of 1999 at the Over the Edge pay-per-view. It's all because of professional wrestling, whether it was an accident or on purpose, because I've heard that as uh, as a possibility. And I'm not getting into that, but... You know, it's been been almost 20 years, and uh, that's still talked about. Of course. You know, so... Conspiracy. I couldn't think of the word. Conspiracy. I digress on that, but you have somebody who lost her husband. 
and it happened in a wrestling ring. Obviously, she it took her a long time to to grieve, and and you know everybody has their right to grieve. And she made this decision to where she doesn't want any part of it. She doesn't want her kids to have any part of it. And I get that. I do. I really do. I don't. I I I don't know what it what it's like to lose a, a significant other and I don't want to know especially at this point in my life you know if 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 my wife was in professional wrestling and she was tragically killed in, in an incident like this I would probably separate myself from the product too would I separate myself from the product 19 years I don't know you know and not only that but it's different too because I love the product where even when he was alive she wasn't much of a fan of professional wrestling so you have to keep that in mind as well. But either way, I look at it as this. Owen Hart had a legacy. Whether she wants to admit it or not, he had a legacy in that ring. He meant something to a lot of people. Wrestlers, people behind the scenes, referees, and of course the fans. Myself included. A huge part of professional wrestling and the WWE. He needs to be in the hall. He needs that recognition. And I think a lot of it too... And this might sound selfish to her, but is for all those people who he has impacted through his in-ring work. And then, of course, the stuff behind the scenes of being, you know, the, the, the good-hearted guy that he was, the great river that he was. All of that. All that needs to be recognized. I'm not saying sell over the rights so they can put him in the new 2K WWE game or this or that. But give him the one night. The one night where his his name is is solidified, and and you and I, and I I don't want to spoil anything, but you and I are going to talk about Hall of Fame more in this show. You know, trust me on that. But I don't have the greatest respect for the WWE Hall of Fame at this point. There was a time where I did, but there's there's some propaganda behind it all. But Owen Hart is one of those things that is legitimate and always will be legitimate. So whether it's the WWE Hall of Fame or it's the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame or both, he needs to be in it because of what he was to professional wrestling. And even though he died in a wrestling ring, it wasn't wasn't like his legacy died that night. And that's I I, I think in his own stubborn way, I think that's kind of what Bret Hart's trying to say. Obviously, he's not saying it the correct way. He's <laughs> being very much a dick. And that's just who Brett's become over the over throughout the course of his retirement. Uh, very bitter, bitter old man at this point in his life. But who looks like an old woman? Who looks like an old woman? I, I love that cowboy hat picture that he had in that documentary. I know it was a TV <laughs> show. I I never seen, but that, oh my god, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> but in my, I guess in my own humble opinion, Owen Hart should be recognized for all of his contributions to professional wrestling because of you know obviously for his own legacy and it's something that his kids should you know they should be proud of the fact that his dad was this great wrestler you know because he he worked so hard to become that it wasn't just oh yeah he was good at it he he worked hard to be what he was and they shouldn't be sheltered from that but i'm not gonna sit there and say oh she's a bad parent for that or anything like that and I don't know the if she if they are able to see that. I mean, they're older now, of course, so I'm I'm sure they have. But as far as everybody else, you know, the Mark Henrys who cried during his Hall of Fame speech, begging Martha to to bring him in because of what Owen Hart meant to him. And there's a lot of other guys that would agree. A lot of guys and girls that would agree 
that of, of all that and and in fans you know that's it's it's about a celebration at this point you know obviously he was taken too soon and you know even if you do it next year 20 years later of of his untimely passing what you have is a celebration of a guy that even though he was taken away too soon he his legacy is is higher than guys some, some a lot of guys who spent a whole career doing what they do that just shows you how good he was his legacy deserves to be recognized and i think she's kind of missing that point now earlier you used the term conspiracy theory but i would like to call i would like to call it a coincidence <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you I see what you did there. Tip, tip your waitress, try the veal <laughs> to die for. Um, you know what? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's go pay some bills, and uh, and we'll come back. We'll come back with some some very interesting Hall of Fame news. Stay tuned. Hello, wrestling fans. Matt here, and I have a question for you. Do you think you know more about wrestling than the 20 by 20 ring crew? Well, now's your chance. Starting this September, your boys at the 20 by 20 ring crew will be starting a brand new monthly contest where we test your knowledge on the history of professional wrestling each week you have an opportunity to answer a brand new question be one of the first 20 people to answer correctly and you'll be entered in the drawing to win cool prizes i'm talking pops figures shirts dvds blu-rays and much more visit 20by20crew.com slash podcast slash instagram for more details and now enjoy more of the show Welcome back, wrestling fans. Thank you for sticking around and uh, helping us pay some bills. So, you mentioned earlier, uh, WWE got complimented. Doesn't happen very often on the show. Yeah. Not by me, anyway. I mean, certainly not by you, but not by me. As always, I, I have to say that I am not a WWE hater. I am a WWE fan that is just, just pissed off. Pissed off at, at the at the company I do subscribe to WWE Network. If you haven't already subscribed, you can subscribe through us. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. That's all one word. And I watched, like many, watched Extreme Rules. I watched it uh, the night after. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't watch it live, so I can fast forward through the you know 20 minutes video packages for every goddamn match. Yeah, you know, it's almost four hours long, but like two hours is video packages. <laughs> it's like enough, all right. We, we, if you you know assume that people already watch Raw, because like you watch Raw and you you show the replay of what happened in the beginning of the show like six times. In case you missed it, you know most of the people have been watching it since the first start. But anyways, Extreme Rules. It was it was a pretty bad show. A couple a couple good stand you know standout things, but. Uh, I was talking to some people about WWE, and a good friend of ours, listener of the show, made, made a mention that, uh, I, that I'm obviously not a WWE uh, supporter at this point, and, and you're, he's right, I, I'm not, uh, and and one of the reasons why I'm not is could could be simplified with what they did with Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura had a match on an episode of SmackDown that ended in uh, controversy and it started a rivalry. 
And Shinsuke has not been on TV for a few weeks, minus like maybe an interview here or there. Very small bits. And then Jeff Hardy's been doing this whole bit where he's pretty much lost it again. He's painting his face again and all that all that shit. Almost broken kind of thing. And he's he wants Shinsuke. He's calling out Shinsuke. And the match is made. Shinsuke Nakamura challenging Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship at Extreme Rules. And I'm just like, okay, I'm intrigued by that. That's they. I'm not the biggest Jeff Hardy fan in the world. I never have been. But he's he, he can put on a good match. And Shinsuke Nakamura uh, is going to be a very interesting opponent for him. Cool, let's do it. So Jeff Hardy comes out. And... Uh, ready for this match, Shinsuke comes out, ready for the match, and it ends with a low blow that Shinsuke Nakamura, it's now pretty much his finisher, now is a low blow, <laughs> and the match ends in 30 seconds, and all that build up, you know, again, 20 minute video packages, ends in a 30 second match, and then to top it all off, Randy Orton comes back from his injury, I forget what his injury was, I don't care. <laughs> and he comes back, and you think, oh, he's going to go after Shinsuke. Now he goes after Jeff Hardy, and he low blows him. You, you know, Jeff Hardy's on the ground. He goes, to, you know, he picks, grabs his legs, and he stomps in between, and and then leaves, and then that's that's the end of of everything. And I'm just left thinking to myself. What am I doing watching this bullshit? <laughs> like they did it again. They, 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 they build up a, a match that it's oh this is going to be a good match, and they don't give you anything. They they just they give you this thirty second low blow fiasco, and leaves me with more questions than answers. And oh, we'll just watch SmackDown to, to get some matches. No, fuck you. I'm not watching this bullshit anymore. I deleted it off the DVR. I was like, I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it. I, I wasted my time with Extreme Rules. You guys tell me what happened. But that's one of the many reasons why I give WWE such bad remarks because and bad reviews because it's it's bullshit at the bullshit at the bullshit. Same thing with the Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins match. 30-minute Ironman match, and you have to continue to tell fucking stories throughout the entire match. Just have a goddamn match. Just have the match. That's what Raw's for, to tell your little stories. Do it then. Anyways, that's my gripe. WWE wasn't going to get off the hook that easily. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to talk about something that happened at Extreme Rules. You brought it to my attention the day of, and that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to watch. Plus, I had other better things to watch that night. Uh, We saw the return... Of, as far as the WWE Hall of Fame, of Hulk Hogan. And he was also at the venue, the uh, PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello, Pittsburgh. And he was there. He addressed the locker room. And you told me before we started recording that he also addressed, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the live crowd, but it just wasn't taped nor obviously aired on the WWE Network. From what I understand, he approached the locker room 
Yes, and, that much I knew. And, and made his presence known and uh, made his rounds for apologies. And then apparently he also addressed the crowd. But to my knowledge, there is no videotape or recording of this. Now, until something surfaces, because let's face it, we live in that day and age where someone somewhere, if it happened in that arena, there's got to be some sort of audio or video yeah. effect. It's not like the uh, Mass Square Garden incident in the mid '90s, <laughs> or thankfully that those guys snuck in camera camcorder. <laughs> now everyone's got cell phones, yeah, so, smartphones with cameras. So if it if it happened, then someone out there's got got to have footage. So I'm I'm leaving it at that. But apparently, okay. from what I heard, there was uh, he he did a speech and addressed the crowd, and it just wasn't recorded. For for television or, or what have you. Now, is or, there any remarks of future video packages? No. Of what the, how the crowd took Hogan? Was uh, there a pop? Was there? No, I didn't get any of that either. Which is why I'm leaving it as just speculation at this point. Okay. But uh, I know for a fact that he did address the locker room, and there was um, there there was a definitely some tension. Uh, most notably from Titus O'Neil, who had a huge um, problem with Hogan being reinstated to the company, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, he he is obviously entitled to his opinion and his feelings, and in the whole shebang, uh, he should be upset for what Hogan said. The New Day, the New Day ends up putting out a statement on Twitter. I think it was Kofi Kingston that actually did it. Yeah, it was. He puts out a statement on Twitter, and he he articulated exactly what needed to be said. And he did it with respect and, and admiration for his fellow his fellow talent and the company and he did it very classy Kofi Kingston acting like a class act and he's absolutely absolutely right in the things that he said you know this should not affect their performance because it doesn't need to it doesn't need to to affect their performance It, it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't matter they all have to get along and, you know, racism has always been around. And, you know, are they going to be a little bit leery of working around and with Hulk Hogan? Of course. And, uh, again, that is to be expected. But for Kofi Kingston and the New Day, they're moving on. They just, they're going to continue to do their thing. And uh, they took the high road on this one. And, again, kudos to Kofi Kingston and the New Day. Um I, I myself, uh, self-admittedly, I, I don't know that I would have took that route. I don't think I could have been the bigger person if uh, if I had someone return to my place of work who blatantly uh, bad-mouthed me in, in, a, in a racist fashion. As a matter of fact, that actually happened at my 9-to-5 with someone I work with uh, after our president donald trump got elected that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast <laughs> but uh you know i i um i did not take the high road 
and I let this person have it. Um, so, yeah. You and I are, are both of uh, Latino descent, uh, both Mexican-Americans, and you and I both felt the outcome, the immediate outcome, from the ignorant supporters of Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. Uh, and none of it you know, needs to be bared repeating, but yeah, it was the same thing. And it's one of those things, the, the place that I was working at the time, where it wasn't an everyday occurrence, but it was it was a common thing, you know, being darker skinned in a very Caucasian community. Uh, there was definitely times where I was outcasted, and I was leaving it at that, and it didn't bother me because I, I where I where I grew up, and it was the same the same thing, just with a different race that was excluded me from their reindeer games, if you will. Um, I'm a huge Rudolph fan, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, and I make light of the situation because it, it was one of those things where I, I could move on. And not that you no know, anybody should take make light of the situation, but the way that I took the, the Kofi Kingston, or the, I should say the whole New Day response was their way of moving on from what happened. You know, me, I make light of situations. Them, they come out and make formal statements, pretty much saying that uh, where it was actually, and I quote, stated that, you know, how do we feel? Indifferent. We are not happy, sad, or resentful. Who WWE puts into the Hall of Fame is totally and completely up to the company, and from a career standpoint, there is no argument whether or not Hogan should have his place. So their point there is saying, do whatever you want. We're going to do what we've already been doing. That's how they move on. It's They look at it as, you know what, I, I don't like what he said. I, I don't necessarily think that uh, at this point, you know, they didn't come out and say, you know, we, yeah, we forgive Hogan. But they just say, look, we got a job to do. We got a job to do, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to do our job. And we're going to do it well, because that's what the fans and the company expect from us. And it was a very professional and, and very classy thing to, to say. And I applaud all three of them. Because uh, I, I think I think it's it's pretty apparent that all three were involved in, those, in that statement. Those guys are pretty close niche outside of the wrestling ring. And I'm pretty sure they had a discussion about it, especially after Sunday night. Obviously, anytime we talk about you know racism or ra- you know racial slurs and things of that nature, it's always going to be a touchy subject, and it's always interesting to see how people respond to it and overcome that. And I, I think it's really, really good for them that they're able to just look past it and say, you know what, we're not going to let what he said outweigh what we're doing and what we've become in in this in this company. So. You know, congrats to them. You know, Mark Henry has come out and, and said, you know, he's willing to have Hogan's back if he's willing to put in the work. You know, he was one of the guys that spoke up after Hogan, you know, said his piece and it's like, hey, you know, do you do you do you mean what you say? You know, I mean, is it just is it just talk or are you willing to put in the work to to show everybody that you are genuine in what you said? You know. 
I'm not here to sympathize for Hogan because anyone that knows me knows I would never sympathize for for Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like Hulk Hogan. I can't stand the guy and for what he is to professional wrestling. And, uh, but anyways, move on from that. He said, he said something really bad. The whole world knows it. The whole world knows it. And he's been living with this for a long time, years. And obviously it's, I mean, he's, he's doing well for himself. He won a nice little lawsuit last year or two years ago, you know, financially he's doing fine, but I got to imagine he's, he's been, he's been outcasted by a lot of people, especially within the business for what he said for, for one, for one reason or another. And it could be. Well, you got too much heat on you right now. I don't want anything part of that, that selfish reason. Or if it's, you really hurt me by what you said. Whether you're black or not. Because what what he said should offend people that are not just of of black skin. Just anybody that, that has common sense and a heart. It's just like, what the hell, man? You know, it's just like... It's just... It, and, and I'm a little indifferent on it too because it's one of those things that and it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right what he said, but it, it we've seen people do racial bashing in public places in business meetings, like the Papa John's guy, <laughs> uh, and it took him like multiple occurrences to finally be ousted of the company. By the way. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, one time and he's out. You know, it was an ongoing thing with this dude. But the, the Hogan tape where he says the, the word repeatedly and it's at the comfort of his own home and it's under a, a hidden microphone. Again, I'm not saying what he's saying is right, but it's just you have to kind of put yourself in a situation where you you're at home and you say some things that that you wouldn't want anybody else to hear. Whether it's right or wrong, whether it's racial or not, I'm sure many of us have those skeletons in our closets where it's like, man, if somebody recorded me, I'd I'd be in some shit. There's a part of me that's like, is it necessarily fair that we vilify one guy because he's Hulk Hogan? Because there's a laundry list of guys that have done things of this nature or other things that have gotten away with less than a slap on the wrist. You know, if we were talking about the Brooklyn Brawler, would we be talking about it? You know, does the fact that it's Hulk Hogan have everything to do with, with it? You know, and keep in mind, too, the the audacity of Vince McMahon being the guy suspending him when he has said that word on live TV. Actually, I take that back. It wasn't live TV. It was SmackDown before it was SmackDown Live, and they never edited it out. Yeah. So, again, for anybody that's going to come after me, hold your hold your fucking horses because I'm not saying that Hogan. It's okay for Hogan to say that because it was the comfort of his own home and it was, you know, a, a hidden microphone or anything like that. What he said was bullshit. And what he said, you know, definitely needs to be talked about a lot more. Because that's something that we're not doing. We do a lot of pointing the fingers in society. 
and you know you're this and you're that but nobody's willing to sit down and have a conversation about it why does Hulk Hogan feel that way why would he say something like that there's not enough of that there's not enough and I hope that's what Mark Henry means by are you willing to prove it have a conversation with the guy talk it out and then obviously while you're hearing him make sure that he's hearing you and I hope that's what's happening instead of just, well, I don't want to work with him because he's a racist asshole and that's that's that. Because then you're no better. If that's the way that you perceive these type of situations, you're no better. Rise above. And I really think that's what Mark Henry's doing, but he's also a seasoned veteran that's been doing this a long time. He knows Hulk Hogan very well. You know, I liked what the New Day said on social media but I would hope they would do the same thing as far as actions being taken I understand do your job and continue to do your job but also it still bothers you that's why you're talking about it that's why you brought it up on social media other than that if it wasn't been bothered then you don't make this long post you just you move on you just you ignore or not necessarily ignore it but you just you shrug it off and say it doesn't. That's not. That's not. I don't care. How different of a dis, uh, How different of a situation do you think this would be if Hulk Hogan said what he said, but the entirety of his career in the public eye he wasn't Hulk Hogan. He was just Terry Bollea. So like he played a character on TV and in the ring. Yeah. And that's it. When everything else he's, he did, he was under his real name. How much of the situation does that change, do you think? I think it, it, the, the Hulk Hogan legacy isn't as heavily affected as it is now. Because you can separate the two. Right now we look at it as Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea as the same it's thing. It's the same person, right? You know, and which technically they are, but... Well, depending depending on parts of the Gawker trial, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean Hulk Hogan obviously is the the American hero that everybody, especially in the '80s and early '90s, grew up believing in, and he was this phenomenon that uh, not necessarily represents who Terry Bollea is. Who is Terry Bollea? I don't know. I don't, at this point, I don't think he knows. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Did he change? Is not? Is he no longer Bollea? Isn't he actually Terry Hogan now? That I don't know. Or, or yeah. did he go like full on like Ultimate Warrior? Where he just changed his name completely. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I won't speculate. But but yeah, it, it's it's a really it you know tough subject, obviously. And as far as the the racial slurs. I mean, there's, there's definitely... Hulk Hogan deserved to eat shit for what he said. You know, the, the old Triple H line, you know, learn to eat shit and like the way it tastes. That's very much deserved. Should it necessarily destroy his entire legacy? I'm not so sure about that. No, I, I, I disagree with that notion. It shouldn't. Um, at least when it comes to professional wrestling. I mean, it, it doesn't change any of the stuff he he has done for the industry and and its entirety. That can't that'll never be changed. 
you know whether he's whether he said a specific word or not I mean he still did what he did in the ring and he still made that money and he still affected the industry that way that can never be taken away from him much like Owen Hart and the whole debacle with his wife you know it obviously this is uh, the issue with Owen Hart isn't about racism but you still can't the point is you can't change what he already did in the business it's done there's no going back I think the most disturbing part of this is that <clears throat> we took Hulk Hogan or not we but the WWE took Hulk Hogan and outcasted him in the same manner that they outcasted the name of Chris Benoit that's what I mean by it's not necessarily fair I mean, you, you erased everything, everything about him. You know, other than, other than what was on the WWE Network and archived footage, you erased every aspect of Hulk Hogan. He is now the name that, he's become the Voldemort, you know, he who shall not be named. I'm sorry for anybody that, that disagrees with me and, and, and calls me whatever because of this, but we're not talking about the same thing when we're talking about the Chris Van Wall situation. We're just not. I'm sorry, we're not. Nobody should be vilified in that manner because of of this instance. It just it just shouldn't be. Again, should he eat shit? Of course, of course. You want to keep him off of WWE programming? Of course. You don't want him around your talent? Of course. I get that. But to completely erase his name or at least attempt to, totally uncalled for. And 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 let's let's also face facts here. The WWE didn't do that because of your feelings. They did it because of your money and what how it would affect merchandise sales and ticket sales and WWE Network sales. And and that's what a lot of people don't understand about the situation. Yeah, the WWE didn't do that for all the black people out there, all the black fans. I'm sorry, but they didn't. They didn't. It was a business move. That's all it was separate us as far away from this dude as possible because we still got t-shirts to sell and pay-per-views and network subscriptions and, you know, all this other stuff to you, the fans. Yep. And guess what? When it comes to business, it doesn't matter what color you are. It just doesn't. The The only color that matters is green. That's it. They would sell out their own own family members and they have and they have <laughs> to make money that's just that's just the way it goes the other thing too is 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 the hall of fame and you and i talked about it before the show again you 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 hit on it very nicely nobody can take away the legacy of hulk hogan slash hulkamania and my opinion doesn't matter of, of hulk hogan i can't stand the guy <laughs> I've made that very clear since episode one. <clears throat> but uh, but my opinion doesn't matter. He 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 was a huge part of the uh, revolution of professional wrestling, and his name is synonymous with household names in, in wrestling. Guys guys didn't become household names. At least on a on a domestic level that, that you know outside of the territories, other than Hulk Hogan, he was kind of he was that first guy to do that, and you can't take that away. And the New Day touched on it. You can't take that away. 
So why take away the Hall of Fame? Why take him out of the Hall of Fame? And it goes back to what we just said, because we have to separate our guy. We have to erase him from, from everything. And also, too, to not promote our, our show, but to promote our show, you go back to the Hall of Shame episode where the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame, is fucking bullshit. It's propaganda. <laughs> the reason why Jeff Jarrett's in the Hall of Fame, propaganda. Fuck. Do what you can do for me. Obviously, Hulk Hogan can't do shit for me right now because he's a racist asshole. At least that's what everybody thinks he is. And whether he is or he isn't, that's what everybody thinks he is. So he can't do anything for us right now. Get rid of him. Get rid of him because having him in there with the likes of, you know, Andre the Giant and and Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mick Foley and all these guys, well, if they're... You can't have him associated with that because then they all become racist assholes and everybody's merchandise because that's what matters, merchandise. Everybody's merchandise fails. Nobody's going to watch the Hall of Fame. Nobody's going to watch our pay-per-views. Nobody's going to go to our house shows. This is how juvenile this company is <laughs> and the fact that that's, that's their first reaction. Well, erase, erase, erase. You can't. You cannot do that. So what was the point of taking them away? Anytime that you are in a Hall of Fame for any thing any sport we'll stick with sports for this for for this point but you are inducted to the hall of fame you're inducted to the hall of fame for a reason you should be you know for Hulk Hogan's case for helping put not only WWE but wrestling on a whole nother platform for the audience to see and for you know his contributions to Wrestlemania and for this and that, and, and the successes in, in the ring, for, you know, what have you. And all those contributions, and is rewarded by a Hall of Fame. And he he got that. His contributions wasn't because he was nice to black people. His con- He was inducted because of his contributions to professional wrestling. So because of what he said should not equate... To erasing his entire legacy from professional wrestling, or in this case, WWE. You can reprimand him. You can say that you know we at the WWE don't agree with what he says, and 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 what have you. And you know that's great. You shouldn't agree, but you don't strip somebody of an achievement just like that. It, it it's propaganda then what, what is the point of being in a Hall of Fame? If you, you commit a crime or you do something bad, then you're not a Hall of Famer anymore? Let's look at what at Pete Rose. Now, Pete Rose obviously isn't in the Hall of Fame for those keeping track at home. But what, what if he was inducted into a Hall of Fame and then it came out he gambled on baseball while he was a manager for the Cincinnati Reds, not as a player? Did we take away everything he did as a player? I mean, they already have. They, <laughs> they've already done it. But what if he was already inducted? What if he already was in Cooperstown? Do we say, oh, remove him. Get him out of there. Get him out of there. No. You shouldn't. He What he did for, for professional baseball, for Major League Baseball, does not equate to him gambling as when he's not a player anymore. What he did was stupid. There's no doubt about it. What Hulk Hogan did was stupid. 
I don't care if it should never have been taped or the comfort of his own home. You're caught. Either way, you're caught. The whole world knows it. What you said was stupid. It was beyond stupid. But it doesn't. It should not equate to you having your entire legacy stripped away. It just shouldn't. And I get a lot of heat for this, but I go back to Chris Benoit, who's not in the Hall of Fame, who never will be in the Hall of Fame, at least WWE. We can't strip what he did for professional wrestling. What he did to his family is horrendous. There's no doubt about that. It's one of the saddest stories in professional wrestling. But you can't take away what he did to the, for the for for the profession. You can't. So as when we're talking about achievements, we don't strip people from achievements that they've already accomplished because they did something wrong. That's just not that that's not how you handle a situation. You know, how Major League Baseball has handled the Pete Rose situation has been very poorly done. Still has to this day. I don't know if he'll ever be in the Hall of Fame. He'll probably be in the Hall of Fame once he's passed. I could see that happening. Yeah. I, uh, but you know what? That Not to get too much off topic here, but the whole situation with Pete Rose, you know, obviously now the United States government has passed legal sports gambling. Yeah. That that was the first thing that uh, one of the listeners asked me. It was like, do you think Pete Rose will be inducted into the Hall of Fame now, now that gambling is legal? And you know what? There has, there has been stranger things that have happened in this world, so I, I'm not going to say no. But you're absolutely right. You, you shouldn't have your legacy, good or bad, no matter how you achieved it. You're a part of professional wrestling or sports, or what have you, whatever profession you're in. You do something stupid, granted, you did it, you're stupid, and you shouldn't have done it, and that's that. But if you didn't do any of that in the in the ring, and, and it's not part of that legacy, then if the two are separate, they should stay separate. Yeah, that's exactly... Exactly, yeah, you summed it up in a very short period of time. That's exactly how I feel about the situation. It sucks. It sucks because I've, I've had this conversation with people, and they don't seem to understand it. I'm not pro-Hogan. I'm not talking about my resentment for the character Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. I'm not pro-Hogan in the sense that I am sympathizing with what he did, because I'm not. What I'm saying is that everything that... Beyond guys being upset at Hogan and wanting to to see action out of him other than just words and saying, I'm sorry, guys, that's one thing. But everything else, as you said, everything else, is, as you said, is, is separate. And we can't, we, we should not be in the business of tarnishing legacies when this has nothing to do with anything that he's done in that ring. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Uh, if I'm Hulk Hogan, I'm doing everything I can to make this right. Uh, he better be sincere. He better be sincere. And and I hope he does. I hope he does make it right because I, I as much as I can't stand the dude, I'd hate to see a legacy destroyed because of, of, a, of a stupid rant. 
that he made. Uh, I don't know Hulk Hogan. I don't know what his true feelings are on on uh, on the matter. But uh, if he's listening to the show, thanks for listening. But uh, if you're not sincere, don't 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 show up. Don't show up because you're gonna you're gonna get caught. You're not dealing with a bunch of idiots here. You know you got guys like Mark Henry. You got guys like the New Day and, and, and Titus and, and Biggie and uh, I said Titus and uh, Kofi and, and Biggie and Xavier Woods. Uh, Titus O'Neil is another guy that's been very outspoken, of course. And you know you're not dealing with a bunch of morons here. These very intelligent guys. They they prove that time and time again, and they're gonna call you on your shit if you're bullshitting. So if you're not if you're not sincere, don't show up. If that's how you really feel about that race, then go be bitter in your home, wherever you live now. I don't even know, and don't care either. Go be bitter. Go be a bitter old man that lives all by himself with your fucking huge settlement, and just be miserable. If you are sincere, then prove it. Prove it to those guys. Uh, regardless, still a Hall of Famer. Whether I like it or not, he's still a Hall of Famer. Legacy shouldn't be tarnished over things that uh, don't have anything to do with the actual in-ring work. Absolutely. But uh, as always, sound off and uh, and let us know what you think. And uh, call me on my bullshit. <laughs> Not that I have any. Hey, hey, tweet us at on Twitter, at 20x20crew. You can catch us on Instagram, at 20x20crew. Uh, obviously, there's always our domain, 20x20crew.com. You can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20crew. Uh, our Facebook group, come talk to us. Come come discuss some stuff. Come, yeah, call us on our bullshit. Facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20talk. And uh, let's also not forget YouTube. We're still looking for 50 subscribers for a giveaway. You can do that by following uh, following us to our YouTube page at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash YouTube and clicking the subscribe button. Also, uh, don't forget to check out coming soon, starting in September, a brand new contest on Instagram. More details are going to be coming uh, throughout the rest of this month as well as the month of August, the entire month of August. So we'll make sure that you have all the details. But until then, always keep updated on the contest via our website, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Instagram. And of course, don't forget to check out our exclusive YouTube show, The Following Contest, where we fancy book anything wrestling. We got a huge lineup coming very soon throughout the month of August. Check that out again, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash YouTube. So that's going to do it for us. As always, we hope that you are hashtag support professional wrestling, support the heels, support the baby faces. <laughs> <laughs> and until next week, we will see, see you, you in, in the, the ring. ring.